0: chapter 22 part 2 of the italian this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the italian by anne radcliffe chapter 22 part 2 read by gary day a recollection of the conduct of spalatro respecting elena had thus induced skidoni to spare him but this was all It did not prevail with him to inquire into the condition of this man, or to mitigate his punishment, and without remorse he now left him to his fate. With Elena it was otherwise. Though she was ignorant of the obligation she owed him, he could not know that any human being was left under such circumstances of suffering and solitude, without experiencing very painful emotion. But considering how expeditiously Spalatro had been able to remove himself, she endeavoured to hope that his wound was not mortal. The travellers, mounting their horses in silence, left the ruin and were for some time too much engaged by the impression of the late occurrences to converse together. When at length Elena inquired the particulars of what had passed in the avenue, she understood that Scidoni, on pursuing Spalatro, had seen him there only for a moment. Spalatro had escaped by some way unknown to the confessor, and had regained the interior of the ruin, while his pursuers were yet following the avenue. The cry which Elena had imagined to proceed from the interior was uttered as it now appeared by the guide who, in his haste, had fallen over some fragments of the wall that lay scattered in the avenue. The first report of arms had been from the trombone, which Scadoni had discharged on reaching the portal, and the last, when he fired a pistol, "'on perceiving Spalatro passing from the court. "'We have had trouble enough in running after this fellow,' said the guide, "'and could not catch him at last. "'It is strange that, if he came to look for us, "'he should run away so when he had found us. "'I do not think he meant us any harm. "'After all, else he might have done it easily enough in that dark passage. "'Instead whereof he only took to his heels. "'Silence,' said Scadoni, "'Fewer words, friend.' "'Well, signor, he's peppered now, however, "'so we need not be afraid. "'His wings are clipped for one while, "'so he cannot overtake us. "'We need not be in such a hurry, signor. "'We shall get to the inn in good time yet. "'It is upon a mountain yonder "'whose top you may see upon that red streak in the west. "'He cannot come after us.' "'I myself saw his arm was wounded. "'Did you so?' said Skidonely sharply. And pray, where was you when you saw so much? It was more than I saw. I was close at your heels, senor, when you fired the pistol. I do not remember to have heard you there, observed the confessor. And why did you not come forward instead of retreating? And where also did you hide yourself while I was searching for the fellow instead of assisting me in the pursuit? The guide gave no answer, and Elena, who had been attentively observing him during the whole of this conversation, Perceived that he was now considerably embarrassed, so that her former suspicions as to his integrity began to revive. Notwithstanding the several circumstances which had occurred to render them improbable, there was, however, at present no opportunity for further observation. Skidoni having, contrary to the advice of the guide, immediately quickened his pace, and the horses continued on the full gallop till a steep ascent compelled them to relax their speed. Contrary to his usual habit, Skidoni now, while they slowly ascended, appeared desirous of conversing with this man, and asked him several questions relative to the villa they had left, and whether it was that he had really felt an interest on the subject, or that he just wished to discover if the man had deceived him in the circumstances he had already narrated, from which he might form a judgment as to his general character, he pressed his inquiries with a patient minuteness, That somewhat surprised Elena during this conversation the deep twilight would no longer permit her to notice the countenances of either Skidoni or the guide but she gave much attention to the changing tones of their voices as different circumstances and emotions seemed to affect them it is to be observed that during the whole of this discourse the guide rode at the side of Skidoni while the confessor appeared to be musing upon something which the peasant had related respecting the Baroni di Cambrusca, Elena inquired as to the fate of the other inhabitants of the villa. The falling of the old tower was enough for them, replied the guide. The crash waked them all directly, and they had time to get out of the new buildings, before the second and third shocks laid them also in ruins. They ran out into the woods for safety, and found it too, for they happened to take a different road from the earthquake. Not a soul suffered except the Baroni, and he deserved it well enough. Oh, I could tell such things that I have heard of him. What became of the rest of the family? interrupted Scidoni. Why, Signor, they were scattered here and there and everywhere, and they none of them ever returned to the old spot. No, no, they had suffered enough there already, and might have suffered to this day if the earthquake had not happened. If it had not happened? repeated Elena. "'Aye, Signora, for that put an end to the baroni. If those walls could but speak, they could tell strange things, for they looked upon sad doings. And that chamber which I showed you, Signora, nobody ever went into it but himself, except the servant to keep it in order, and that he could sc- and that he could scarcely suffer, and always stayed in the room. The while, he had probably treasure secreted there. Said Elena, "No, Signora, no treasure." He always had a lamp burning there, and sometimes in the night he has been heard. Once, indeed, his valet happened to— "'Come on,' said Scudoni, interrupting him, "'keep pace with me. What idle dream are you relating now?' "'It is about the Barone di Cambrusca, signor, "'him that you was asking me so much about just now. "'I was saying what strange ways he had, "'and how that on one stormy night in December, "'as my cousin Francisco told my father—' told me and he lived in the family at the time it happened what happened said scidoni hastily what i'm going to tell signor my cousin lived there at the time so however unbelievable it may seem you may depend upon it it is all true my father knows i would not believe it myself till enough of this said scidoni no more what family had this baroni had he a wife at this time of this destructive shock "'Yes, truly, Signor, he had, as I was going to tell, "'if you would but condescend to have patience. "'The Barony had more need of that friend. "'I have no wife. "'The Baronie's wife had most need of it. "'Signor, as you shall hear, a good soul, they say, was the Baronessa, "'but luckily she died many years before. "'He had a daughter also, and young as she was, "'she had lived too long, but for the earthquake which set her free.' "'How far is it to the inn?' said the confessor roughly. "'When we get to the top of this hill, Signor, "'you will see it on the next, if any light is stirring, "'for there will only be the hollow between us. "'But do not be alarmed, Signor. "'The fellow we left cannot overtake us. "'Do you know much about him, Signor? Scudoni inquired whether the trombone was charged, "'and discovering that it was not, "'ordered the man to load immediately. "'Why, Signor? If you knew as much of him as I do, you could not be more afraid,' said the peasant, while he stopped to obey the order. "'I understood that he was a stranger to you,' observed the confessor with surprise. "'Why, signor, he is, and he is not. I know more about him than he thinks for.' "'You seem to know a vast deal too much of other persons' affairs,' said Skidoni, in a tone that was meant to silence him. "'Why, that is just what he would say, signor.' But bad deeds will out, whether people like them to be known or not. This man comes to our town sometimes to market, and nobody knew where he came from for a long while, so they set themselves to work and found it out at last. "'We shall never reach the summit of this hill,' said Skidoni testily. "'And they found out, too, a great many strange things about him,' continued the guide. "'Elena?' who had attended to this discourse with a degree of curiosity that was painful, now listened impatiently for what might be further mentioned concerning Spalatro, but without daring to invite, by a single question, any discovery on a subject which appeared to be so intimately connected with Scedoni. It was many years ago, rejoined the guide, this man came to live in that strange house on the seashore, It had been shut up ever since. What are you talking of now? Interrupted the confessor. Why, Signor, you will never let me tell you. You always snap me up, so short at the beginning, and then ask, what am I talking about? I was going to begin the story, and it is a pretty long one, but first of all, Signor, who do you suppose this man belonged to? And what do you think the people determined to do when the report was first set a-going, only that they could not be sure that it was true? AND ANYBODY WOULD BE UNWILLING ENOUGH TO BELIEVE SUCH A SHOCKING, I HAVE NO CURIOSITY ON THE SUBJECT, REPLIED THE CONFESSOR, STERNLY INTERRUPTING HIM, DESIRE TO HEAR NO MORE CONCERNING IT. I MEANT NO HARM, Signor," SAID THE MAN. I DID NOT KNOW IT CONCERNED YOU. AND WHO SAYS IT DOES CONCERN ME? NOBODY, Signor. ONLY YOU SEEM TO BE IN A BIT OF A PASSION. SO I THOUGHT, BUT I MEANT NO HARM, Signor. ONLY AS HE HAPPENED TO BE OF YOUR GUIDE PART OF THE WAY. "'I guessed you might like to know something of him.' "'All that I desire to know of my guide is "'that he does his duty,' replied Skidoni, "'that he conducts me safely "'and understands when to be silent.' "'To this the man replied nothing, "'but slackened his pace "'and slunk behind his reprover. "'The travellers reaching soon after "'the summit of this long hill "'looked out for the inn "'of which they had been told. "'But darkness now confounded every object.' And no domestic light twinkling, however distantly, through the gloom, gave signal of security and comfort. They descended dejectedly into the hollow of the mountains, and found themselves once more emerged in woods. Scadoni again called the peasant to his side, and bade him keep abreast of him, but he did not discourse, and Elena was too thoughtful to attempt conversation. The hints which the guide had thrown out respecting Spalatro. Had increased her curiosity on that subject, but the conduct of Skidoni, his impatience, his embarrassment, and the decisive manner in which he had put an end to the talk of the guide, excited a degree of surprise that bordered on astonishment. As she had, however, no clue to lead her conjectures on any point, she was utterly bewildered in surmise, understanding only that Skidoni had been much more deeply connected with Spalatro than she had hitherto believed. The travellers having descended into the hollow, and commenced the ascent of the opposite height, without discovering any symptom of a neighbouring town, began again to fear that their conductor had deceived them. It was now so dark that the road, though the soil was a limestone, could scarcely be discerned, the woods on either side forming a close dungeon of innumerable boughs that totally excluded the twilight of the stars. While the confessor was questioning the man with some severity, a faint shout was heard from a distance, and he stopped the horses to listen from what quarter it came. "'That comes the way we are going, signor,' said the guide. "'Hark!' exclaimed Scadoni. "'Those are strains of revelry.' A confused sound of voices, laughter, and musical instruments was heard, and as the air blew stronger, tambourines and flutes were distinguished. "'Oh!' "'Oh, we are near the end of our journey,' said the peasant. "'All this comes from the town we are going to. "'But what makes them all so merry, I wonder?' "'Elena, revived by this intelligence, "'followed with alacrity the sudden speed of the confessor, "'and presently, reaching a point on the mountain "'where the woods opened, "'a cluster of lights on another summit, a little higher, "'more certainly announced the town. "'They soon after arrived at the ruinous gates "'which had formerly led to a place of some strength, and passed at once from darkness and desolated walls into a market-place blazing with light and resounding with the multitude. Booths fantastically hung with lamps and filled with merchandise of every kind, disposed in the gayest order, were spread on all sides, and peasants in their holiday clothes and parties of masks crowded every avenue. Here was a band of musicians, and there a group of dancers, on one spot, the outré humour of Azani provoked the never-failing laugh of an Italian rabble. In another, the improvisatori, by the pathos of his story, and the persuasive sensibility of his strains, was holding the attention of his auditors, as in the bands of magic. Further on was a stage, raised for the display of fireworks, and near this a theatre, where a comic opera, the shadow of a shade, was exhibiting, whence the roar of laughter, excited by the principal buffo within, mingled with the heterogeneous voices of the vendors of ice, macaroni, sherbet, and diavoloni without. The confessor looked upon this scene with disappointment and ill-humour, and bade the guide go before him and show the way to the best inn. An office which the latter undertook with great glee, though he made his way with difficulty, "'To think I should not know it was the time of the fair,' said he. "'Though, to say truth, I never was at it but once in my life. "'So it is not so surprising, signor.' "'Make way through the crowd,' said Skidoni. "'After jogging on so long in the dark, signor, with nothing at all to be seen,' "'continued the man, without attending to the direction, "'then to come, all of a sudden, to such a place as this, "'why, it is like coming out of purgatory into paradise.' Well, signor, you have forgot all your quandaries now. You think nothing about that old ruinous place where we had such a race after the man that would not murder us, but that shot I fired did his business. You fired? said Skidoni, aroused by the assertion. Yes, signor, as I was looking over your shoulder, I should have thought you must have heard it. I should have thought so too, friend. I, signor. This fine place has put all of that out of your head, I warrant, as well as what I said about that same fellow. But indeed, Signor, I did not know he was related to you when I talked so of him. But perhaps for all that you may not know the piece of his story I was going to tell you when you cut me off so short, though you are better acquainted with one another than I guessed for. So when I come in from the fair, Signor, if you please, I will tell you of it. "'and it is a pretty long history, for I happen to know the whole of it, "'though where you cut me short when you was in one of those quandaries "'was only just at the beginning. "'But no matter for that, I can begin it again, for what is all this?' "'said Skidoni, again recalled from one of the thoughtful moods "'in which he had so habitually indulged, "'that even the bustle around him had failed to interrupt the course of his mind.' he now bade the peasant to be silent. But the man was too happy to be tractable, and proceeded to express all he felt as they advanced slowly through the crowd. Every object here was to him new and delightful, and nothing doubting that it must be equally so to every other person, he was continually pointing out to the proud and gloomy professor the trivial subjects of his own admiration. "'See, signor, there is Punchinello,' See how he eats the hot macaroni. And look there, signor, there is a juggler. Oh, good signor, stop one minute to look at his tricks. See he has turned a monk into a devil already, in the twinkling of an eye. Silence! And proceed, said Skidoni. That is what I say, signor, silence, for the people make such a noise that I cannot hear a word you speak. Silence there! Considering that you could not hear, "'You have answered wonderfully to the purpose,' said Elena. "'Ah, Signora, is not this better than those dark woods and hills? "'But what have we here? Look, Signor, here is a fine sight.' The crowd, which was assembled round a stage, on which some persons grotesquely dressed, were performing, now interrupting all further progress, the travellers were compelled to stop at the foot of the platform. The people above were acting what seemed to have been intended for a tragedy— but what their strange gestures, uncouth recitation, and incongruous countenances had transformed into a comedy. Scadoni, thus obliged to pause, withdrew his attention from the scene. Elena consented to endure it, and the peasant with gaping mouth and staring eyes stood like a statue, yet not knowing whether he ought to laugh or cry, till suddenly turning round to the confessor, whose horse was of necessity close to his, He seized his arm, and pointing to the stage, called out, "'Look, signor, see, signor, what a scoundrel, what a villain! See, he has murdered his own daughter!' At these terrible words the indignation of Scedoni was done away by other emotions. He turned his eyes upon the stage, and perceived that the actors were performing the story of Virginia. It was at the moment when she was dying in the arms of her father, who was holding up the poniard, with which he had stabbed her. The feelings of Skidoni at this instant inflicted a punishment almost worthy of the crime he had meditated. Elena, struck with the action and with the contrast which it seemed to offer to what she had believed to have been the late conduct of Skidoni towards herself, looked at him with most expressive tenderness, and as his glance met hers, she perceived with surprise the changing emotions of his soul and the inexplicable character of his countenance. Stung to the heart, the confessor furiously spurred his horse that he might escape from the scene. But the poor animal was too spiritless and jaded to force his way through the crowd, and the peasant vexed at being hurried from a place where, almost for the first time in his life, he was suffering under the strange delights of artificial grief, and half angry to observe an animal of which he had the care ill-treated, loudly remonstrated and seized the bridle of Skidoni, who, still more incensed, was applying the whip to the shoulders of the guide, when the crowd suddenly fell back and opened a way, through which the travellers passed, and arrived, with little further interruption, at the door of the inn. Skidoni was not in a humour which rendered him fit to encounter difficulties, and still less the vulgar squabbles of a place already crowded with guests. Yet it was not without much opposition that he at length obtained a lodging for the night. The peasant was not less anxious for the accommodation of his horses, and when Elena heard him declare that the animal which the confessor had so cruelly spurred should have a double feed, and a bed of straw as high as his head, if he himself went without one, she gave him, unnoticed by Skidoni, the only ducat she had left. End of chapter 22 Part 2